1: and I believe that that's
0: really why you're here. Christ died for us. History Makers Hi and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Bob Mendelson from Jews for Jesus Australia. I've had the privilege of meeting Bob a few times and just been inspired about his heart for the Jewish people, his heart for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and uh, his heart for uh, salvation. He's just a great, uh, great guy. Got a, a great accent as well. I'm curious to know where the accent is from. Welcome to the program, Bob. Where's that accent from? <laughs>
1: Shalom, Matt. The accent is an official Australian accent. That's because I became a citizen a couple of years ago. Okay, uh, but I was born, bred, and buttered in Kansas City, right in the center of the United States.
0: Okay, there you go. So, tell us what life was like for you as a young fella, and uh, when did you become a Christian?
1: I was born in 1951, and as a result, I lived in the the kind of Leave It to Beaver, Ozzy and Harriet world. Uh, this it's a kind and gentle world. We didn't own a key to our house. Yeah. The door was always open. And neighbors and bicycles and just friends. I mean, everything. But it was a Jewish world in which I lived. There were only 25,000 Jews in Kansas City out of almost a million people. But I bowled with and played tennis with and chess and chemistry club with Jewish people. So everything I know about Kansas City or about America, though historical and uh, Time Magazine and Life Magazine, Still, personally, what I knew was a Jewish world.
0: And tell me, um, did you ever think about Jesus at a young age? No. No?
1: No, he was as distant from me as Sydney, Australia was. Mm. It it had no bearing on my life. I didn't know anything about Jesus. Uh, Couldn't have cared less because he was the God of another religion. And I needed to and wanted to learn my own religion. And at 13, I had my bar mitzvah. That's very common for a Jewish boy. And whereas most of my friends stopped attending synagogue at that point, they got their pens and pencils and $25 savings bonds. I continued attending synagogue because I did Judaism well, whether I was going to be a rabbi or a medical doctor. That was the real plan. Uh, My concern was to do my religion correctly and that was significant as when i was 16 i went to a youth camp up in the the north part of the us what's a state called wisconsin and there i met a jew from new york city now you got to know Jews from kansas city didn't like Jews from new york we didn't like anybody from new york city <laughs> <laughs> they were rude and aggressive and here was this fellow from new york who was a sensible guy and a lovely guy, and he was challenging me about some of my compromises as a religious fellow. You know, that's the thing about religion. You can always do more. Once you define religion as activity or non-activity, we don't do this or we don't eat that, then you can always behave more accurately and with uh, more precision. So he confronted me with some of my religious, mm, how should we say, compromises. And I listened to him, came back home to Kansas City and told my mom and dad I was going to eat their food, was going to eat my own, was not going to drive to their synagogue but walk to a more nearby one. Yipes! This was like a slap in the spiritual face of my mom and dad. And that wasn't the intention.
0: So tell me about uh, your conversion experience. Was it the age of 19?
1: Yeah, so that, that whole idea of being a religious Jew and the person of Jesus seemed so distant and remote from one another. Here I was at 19 years old. I had dropped out of university hitchhiking around the United States looking for meaning and relevance. I was still uh, attached to my Jewish life, still attached to academic life, though I dropped out of uni. Um, But I wanted to be a full-on good hippie, And I met some people here and there, surrounded by some in Atlanta, Georgia, some Jesus freaks, we called them back then. And they yelled at me, I yelled at them. It wasn't a pleasant experience. But it was Kansas City, 1971, around May, when some more Jesus freaks on the streets of Kansas City, sitting on the stoop of an art gallery, waved and said something about jesus i walked by them stopped turned around sat down said i'm jewish go ahead <laughs> it was it was as if today i'd know that it was the holy spirit who was leading but in that day i thought why do i always walk by these people i, I had no real inkling of the guidance of god but they they uh quickly went to the bible tried to share with me what they believed and i had been raised Orthodox. I knew my stuff and they'd been saved all of a few months. They did not know very much. They won, uh, they didn't win. I won the Bible battle. But God really won the war, didn't He? He, so they gave me a, uh, some words and I went back where I was staying. I began reading the pages of the New Testament. I'd never read St. Saint Matthew, St. Saint Mark, Saint, I, they sound Catholic. They don't sound Jewish. <laughs> and, And there I found the consummate hippie, the man of peace and love, Jesus. And I was drawn to him, but whoa, 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 I'm Jewish. (laughs) Jews (laughs) don't believe in Jesus. But here I am being drawn magnetically, almost, in a spiritual way. And I went to a girl's house three days later. I said, I want this Jesus stuff, but I don't want your Jesus. She said, you don't get this Jesus stuff unless you take Jesus as your Savior. So there it was, full moon, May of 1971, when I prayed and asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Went home and told Mom and Dad that Jesus was coming back that night. Okay, I got my dates wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But I I was enthusiastic to share this because I'd just been given new life. And it was a funny thing. I mean, it was a sad thing. Ironic, horrible in so many ways. My parents threw me out of the house. That's, That's a tough thing for Jewish people. Mm. it's the social cost and one of the things that i didn't understand so i went out straight away and ate a cheeseburger (laughs) that may not mean much to the folks listening but honestly cheeseburgers for an orthodox jew is anathema i mean you can't mix milk and meat Mm. so i thought i'd become a gentile because i believed in jesus And uh, that I'd converted. It took about a year probably for me to sort out. I wish I could tell you the date and time and what happened. I don't remember. But I realized, wait, 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 it's okay to be Jewish and believe in Jesus. And I put on my kippah, my skull cap again, and tried to live a much more Jewish and authentic life. It's been a ride for the last four decades.
0: Now, I'm just fascinated to ask you a bit about this because you you know that I uh, went on a tour of Israel and uh, had an opportunity to uh, go to all the holy places and the Western Wall. And uh, it was interesting because there was 10 pastors that traveled with us and four Jews. And uh, to be honest, Bob, I'd never really interacted with Jewish people in my whole life. You know, I grew up in a country town in Australia, uh, you know, working in a big city, but had never really had much interaction. I'd met you a few years ago, um, but I knew you were a, a Messianic Jew, uh, and so, so you're a bit of a different flavor. But I, I, was, I was fascinated to talk with these Jewish guys and ask them about their culture and, you know, honoring the Sabbath and and uh, eating kosher and all these things. Uh, so do you still uh, follow most of those laws or all of those laws? Uh, how do you balance that with you know the law and grace in your life?
1: Law, law is not uh, a bad word to a Jew. Yeah. And it is uh, part and parcel of who I am. Look, if you moved to France, you'd still want your Vegemite. Yeah. If, if you moved to Zimbabwe, you'd still want to watch you know the rugby uh, especially state of origin mm. so i mean that this is part of who we are as a nation as a people and as a jew i have no problem celebrating rosh Hashanah hanukkah passover jewish things shabbat mm. i mean the sabbath it's just part of who i am it's part of my dna it's part of my hardwiring really and it's not opposed to the person of yeshua in fact he celebrated all those things. Yeah. He ate kosher. So why would I want to go out and have a ham and cheese sandwich on a Sunday potluck? It just doesn't make sense to me. It's, uh, as a messianic Jew, we're Jews who follow the Jewish Messiah foretold in the Jewish scriptures by Jewish prophets. There's nothing gentile about it.
0: So, would you what would you say to someone who is a, a gentile who's just been a Christian all their life that is Researching all the uh, the Jewish uh, laws and uh, feasts and festivals and everything, and you know th- there are some Christians that are thinking, you know, maybe I should um, celebrate all the feasts, maybe I should eat kosher, maybe I should on a, the Sabbath on a Saturday. Um, what would you? What, what advice would you give to a Christian who is thinking, oh, maybe I need to do all that stuff to please God uh, when it hasn't been a part of our history from the past?
1: Yeah, the the question is the ought, should, or must. Um word added to the conversation. Once somebody makes it obligatory for a Gentile to start doing Jewish things, I say, Whoa, 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 that's just you know, put a put a pause on that thing and take a look. Why does someone want to do that? Generally I don't have any problem with somebody wanting to eat more healthy, vegetarian, they want to be a vegan, God bless you. You know, it's fine if you think that's going to be better for you. If you think God's going to be more impressed, (laughs) you haven't read the same book we're reading. Um, God is not impressed with our activity. And the number one concern I have when a Gentile, or sometimes when a Jew, does what he senses as obligatory things or required things for approval from God is, wait, wait, wait. How do you get approved by God? You know, you stand, (laughs) Matt, you and I stand at the grocery line. We've got a whole trolley full of food. We're doing our wives a favor. We're doing ourselves a favor. We're buying stuff, and we swipe the credit card. And then it spins for a while, and it says, processing. And oh my, oh my, come on. (laughs) (laughs) And finally it says, approved. And there's a real satisfaction and a real completion that happens. There's a relief that happens. And I think when believers try to sort out how we get that approval from God, when they understand it, that it's by the blood of Yeshua and by faith in Him, and only by faith in Him, then everything else becomes subsidiary, becomes secondary. And that's holy and and right. But when we're trying to do things in order to please God, in order to gain approval, we will
0: ever be frustrated. I think, Bob, uh, it's a, a powerful uh, comparison uh, looking at the the life of a Messianic Jew and someone who is a Orthodox Jew. Now, part of your ministry at Jews for Jesus is encouraging people who have been raised Jewish and believe in, in all the Jewish laws to reconsider that Yeshua is the Messiah. Uh, and uh, let's face it, there's it's a it's a very controversial topic for jewish people um tell me how how is it impacting uh, the jewish world uh, what you're doing at Jews for Jesus are you seeing many people come to know yeshua as messiah
1: yeah most people ignore the gospel mm. whether jews or non-jews and to be fair we've made it somewhat irrelevant by putting it into certain governmental or political categories, certain land-based things. We've made it as irrelevant as we've tried, (laughs) And, Mm. and we're successful at that. So what we as Jews for Jesus and you and so many others are trying to do is bring it back to the relevancy of a personal faith in Messiah and a personal relationship with the Almighty. Are we seeing results? Oh yeah, yeah, and that's one of the greatest things. I've been doing this for four decades, and I'm Delighted to continue to report things to people about individual Jews one by one, uh, who are considering, learning, taking it on board, being kicked out of homes, being rejected by family. I mean, that's the cost. Mm. And then carrying on and proclaiming it to their friends and neighbors. It's pretty awesome to watch uh, Pilgrim's Progress that mm. really happens in an individual Jew and and. It's
0: glorious. Mm. So, Bob, uh, if I was having a conversation with a normal average Aussie Jew uh, and I said, look, um, I I really believe Jesus is the Messiah, uh, most Jewish people would just say Jesus was just a good rabbi, a good man, uh, but he didn't actually rise from the dead. Would you say that's the biggest issue that that Jews would have as, a, as an argument why he's not the Messiah?
1: I would say that most Jewish people are pretty clueless about the person and work of Messiah Jesus, that most have no awareness of what actually is reported in the record of the Newer Testament. So when Channel 9 uh, showed the Bible, yeah. uh, that's pretty great. And when Jewish people watched it, that's even greater, mm. uh because we really I mean we got the Genesis part, we got the Noah thing, but and Abraham maybe, but we don't have much about Samuel and David, and we don't have much about Jesus, my goodness, he is so foreign to most Jewish people, so that's a good question by the way, to ask your Jewish mate, who do you think Jesus is, mm. and then you'll hear what that individual Jewish person will say, most Jewish people are not informed about Jesus. Though I got to tell you, in the last hundred years, academically Jesus has moved into a fairly reasonable and mm, I want to say prominent spot in Jewish learning. That is, you don't see Jesus talked about at all in a positive way before 1900. But with Schweitzer at the beginning of the century writing on the historical Jesus, and then Flusser and Vermes and Amy Jill Levine and others who actually Amy Jill comes to Australia with regularity from Nashville, Tennessee. She's written that she's not a believer in Jesus, Jewish lady, academic and wrote the Jewish annotated New Testament. Well, how does that happen? <laughs> Rabbi Shmuley Boteach, kind of a Channel 9 go-to guy, who wrote the book Kosher Jesus. What a Chabad rabbi writing about Jesus in a positive way—these are these are unusual—but it's academic and it has not trickled down to the uh, ordinary Goldberg, you know, that you'll meet. So, what you do, I think, what a the ordinary Christian witnessing to the ordinary Jew, the best thing is to say, "Excuse me, Mrs. Goldberg, who do you think Jesus is?" Mm. Let the conversation go from there. If she says, like you said, "Well, he was a good Jewish boy." He was a nice Jewish man, or he was a prophet. Great. Uh, What about his prophecies have you read? Which prophecies do you believe? And what did he actually say about himself, about Mm -hmm. God, about you? And so that's where I'd take it. Step on the platform that people give you from the conversation, from the question.
0: Well, it's a very good encouragement and it's been wonderful to hear your story today. If people want to find out more about the ministry of Jews for Jesus, the website is jewsforjesus.org.au. You'll also find links to Bob Mendelsohn there on Twitter, Flickr, blogs, iTunes, Facebook. You guys are right into social media. And uh, if people want to maybe uh, get in contact with you, uh, are there meetings that you guys have around the country? How do people get involved?
1: prayer meetings all around the country that individual christians host on our behalf once a month We've got speaking engagements. We travel all over the country, all over the region, New Zealand, Singapore, Korea. We go everywhere to share the good news, both in churches and with Jewish people. All that is on the website, of course. But people can connect with us. They can become representatives for us in their communities, maybe host a prayer meeting themselves. That would be awesome.
0: Well, it's been awesome to catch up with you again. Bob Mendelssohn from Jews for Jesus. I reckon you history maker. Thanks for joining us. God bless you, Matt. God bless. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. If you'd like to partner with us, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater, and why don't you go and make history? History Makers. Order your flash drive with 20 of the best History Makers interviews now at historymakers.tv for just $19.95. All proceeds will help History Makers Radio and TV share the gospel all around the world. Order now at station sponsor, historymakers.tv. You'll hear interviews from Mark Burnett, producer of the Bible series and Survivor. Musicians like Paul Coleman, Mark Schultz and George McArdle from the Little River Band. Also Kate Brack's winner of MasterChef 2011, former Olympian Elka Whalen, and many more. Order now at historymakers.tv.